series we've been doing. We've been talking about some of the heroes, some of the legends of the faith. And I'm telling you, man, we have talked about some pretty amazing people as we have studied through Hebrews chapter 11. In fact, if you have your Bibles, you might turn there today. We've been looking at this passage, this chapter in the Bible known as the Hall of Fame of Faith. And I'm telling you, man, the who's who of the Bible is in this chapter. And so far we have talked about some pretty amazing people, some legends of the faith, people like Noah, people like Moses, people like Abraham. Last week on Mother's Day, we talked about Rahab. And I'm telling you, today we're going to wrap this whole thing up. And I got to be honest, I am going to talk about a different person than I actually planned to talk about when I first brought this series together. In fact, this week I had planned to talk about Joseph, one of my favorite heroes in the entire Bible. But this week, as I began to prepare, as I began to read through Hebrews chapter 11 one more time. God just brought out a name of a guy in this chapter. I didn't even know he was actually in the chapter until I read through it and it just stuck out to me. And I'm telling you, when I tell you who he is, I'm telling you, he is only barely mentioned in Hebrews 11, but you're going to know exactly his story when I tell you who it is. In fact, last week was Mother's Day. And so on Mother's Day, man, we had, we kind of got in touch with our soft side, you know, on Mother's Day. And we kind of had a little estrogen kind of flowing as we talked about Rahab and that kind of stuff. And so I thought, man, as I was reading through and I started thinking about preaching about this guy, I thought, man, last week we had a whole bunch of estrogen. Today, come on, guys, we need some testosterone in the house, right? I mean, we got to fill this place up with some manly stuff. And I got to tell you that the guy we're going to talk about today, of all the people in the Bible, this might be the most manly man in the Bible, the most testosterone-filled story in the entire Bible. Come on, guys, can I hear you today? Come on. Mm. We're going to talk about a guy named Samson. Come on, how many know the story of Samson? Man, Samson's story is a manly story. It's filled with beards and bellies and biceps and, I'm telling you, beef, all those kind of stuff. And that's what we're going to talk about today. In fact, if you know the story of, of Samson, you know him as he's the guy with the long hair. He's the guy with the big muscles. He's the, he's the guy that God had a calling upon his life. He had an incredible supernatural strength. And that strength was not, was not just so that he could be a strong man. Actually, that strength was placed upon his life because God had an incredible purpose for him to be the deliverer of his people from the bondage of the Philistines. And we know that this guy was a guy with incredible strength. And yet for a man who was so incredibly strong, this guy struggled with some really, really deep weaknesses. In fact, we see in the story of Samson, I don't have time to tell the whole story, but you can go and read it in the book of Judges. We see in the story of Samson, a man who over and over and over succumbed to his weaknesses and made mistakes and great failures to the point that at the end of his life, in fact, this is the portion of his life we're going to study today. At the end of his life, we're going to see a man, an incredibly strong man who finds himself in an incredibly weak position. In fact, if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and turn with me to Judges chapter 16. And this is where we're going to pick up the story of Samson's life at the very end. In Judges chapter 16 and verse 21, this is what it says. And then the Philistines seized him, talking about Samson. They gouged out his eyes. They looked, they took him to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in prison. Man, you talk about a sad story. 
Here's a guy who was had such great strength and such incredible potential. And now at the end of his life, here he is and he's his eyes have been gouged out. Here he is day after day after day after day grinding grain for the enemy. The truth of the matter is there are a lot of people that are a lot like Samson. In fact, there are many of you that maybe are even here today and your life has been defined in some way by some sort of failure that you have. And every single day you wake up and you are blinded by the failures of your past. That every single day, it's like Samson. It's, it's a grind every day to get up. You found yourself in a place that you never intended to be. You never thought you would find yourself in this place. You never set out to, to end up in divorce. You never set out to to have an affair. You never set out to become an addict. You never set out to to be in debt over your head. You never set out to, to have these failures and these mistakes in your life. But every single day you wake up and every day when you look in the mirror, it's a reminder, just as it was as Samson grinded the grain, that every single day it's a grind, a reminder of the failures of your past. Many of you are here today and you think, man, I've messed up. I've made too many mistakes. I've failed in too many great ways that it's too late for me. But I believe that if Samson were to have a conversation with you, just as we have talked about each one of these, if he could just give you just just one thing that he would say from his life that he would want to pass on To you, this is what I believe it would be. In fact, this is our bottom line, our key statement for today. I believe Samson would teach every single one of us today that failure is never final. In fact, why don't you say that with me on the count of three? One, two, three. Failure is never final. Come on, say it again. Failure is never final. Some of you are here today and you find yourself that you have made some mistakes. You've done some things that, that you regret. There's some areas of your life you say, I never thought that I would end up here and now here I am. And you look at your life and maybe it's one big giant mistake or maybe it's a whole bunch of little failures and mistakes along the way. But now you find your life is just a grind. You find that you feel like you are, that you are defined by your failures. But I believe that through the life of Samson, Samson would want to say, guys, look at my life. And you've got to see that from my life, even if you make mistakes, even if you fail, that doesn't make you a failure. Even if you screw up, that doesn't mean you are a screw up. Even if you have a mistake, that doesn't mean you are a mistake. That actually God can take the failures and the mess ups and the mistakes mistakes in your life and he can turn them and use them for incredible things in his purposes if you will just trust in me. In fact, I want you to see what the scripture has to say about it in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapters 24 and verse number 16. Look what it says. It says, though a righteous man falls seven times, they will what? They will rise again. I want you to notice something about about that verse. It says, though a a righteous man. It doesn't say, though a messed up man, though a failure, though a sinner falls seven times. No, even though you fall down seven times, you can still be a righteous man used by God if you will learn to rise again. 
And I want us to look at Samson's life for just a few minutes today. And I want us to come to, come to three realizations. I believe if we're going to redefine our failures, that we're going to have to realize these three things in our life that I believe Samson eventually realized. And that is this. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. I'm not strong enough to overcome the power of the enemy. In fact, everybody just point your finger at yourself and just say it today. I'm not strong enough. Come on, say it again. I'm not strong enough. Man, I'm not strong enough. You're not strong enough. On our own, we are not strong enough to overcome the power of the enemy. Now, just imagine the change that would have happened in Samson's life if he would have come to this realization early on. If he would have just come to this place where he realized, hey, I might be really strong, but even as strong as I am, I'm still not stronger than the enemy. But Samson never realized this, not in the beginning of his life, especially that over and over, we see Samson made the same mistake over and over. And that mistake was that he overestimated his own power and he underestimated the power of the enemy. So many of us, man, this is the way that we live our life. In fact, it's the reason we continue to fall into temptation and into sin. It's the reason we continue to make mistakes. And the reason we continue to fail is that so many times we overestimate our own strength. We think that we are stronger than we are. And we underestimate the power of the enemy in our lives. And here's what I want you to understand here today. That the power of the enemy is real. Satan is real. Sin is real. There are real consequences for our sin. You are not strong enough to overcome the enemy on your own. Right? Some of you say, man, I don't feel very encouraged. Well, let me encourage you here today. You're not strong enough, but guess what? You don't have to be strong enough. Why? Because you don't have to be stronger. All you have to be is smarter. Everybody say smarter. Come on. You don't have to be stronger than the enemy. You know what you have to do? Just be smarter than him. And here's the truth is that's not even hard because the enemy, although he is strong and powerful, he's also stupid and predictable. Come on. Isn't that true? Right. Come on. How many would, how many would agree with me that the enemy is incredibly predictable, right? In fact, the scripture actually tells us that we're, that we know the enemy's schemes. If you just look at your life, you just look back at the failures and the mistakes in your life and you will see a pattern, right? That it's the same stuff every time. It's the same things. I mean, the enemy's not very creative. He knows our weaknesses, and he comes at us with the same strategy. He comes at us with the same temptations over and over. We saw that in Samson, right? Samson had the same temptations over and over. Every time, what was it? It was pride. It was lust. It was women. It was, it was greed, right? Over and over, we saw the same thing that, that the enemy tempted Samson with. And guess what? It's the same way in your life. I mean, if you just think about the times that you have failed, the mistakes that you have made, the times that you are, that you are tempted, you will see there's a pattern over and over. For some of you, maybe it's pride. Maybe it's a, hey, man, I think I got it and I can do it. Maybe for some of you, maybe it's money and that's the thing that tempts you all the time. Maybe some of you, it's pleasure and you're always looking for that next high or looking for that good feeling. Maybe for some of you, it's substances and it's things that you put in your body and that you abuse. For some of you, it's lust. Others of you, it's anger. or Maybe it's a, a negative attitude or a critical spirit or jealousy. I don't know what it is for you, but I know what it is for me. And I know that if you would just take even just a few minutes, you would know that the areas of your life, that there are weaknesses, that the enemy is going to come after those same areas over and over and over again. And the truth is, you're not strong enough to overcome it on your own, but you are smart enough. 
See, you don't overcome the enemy with your biceps. You overcome the enemy with your brain, right? And all you have to do is, is you've got to know, here are the areas that the enemy comes after me, and I have to set up boundaries. Everybody say boundaries. I have to set up boundaries. Here's how I'm going to overcome the temptations. Here's how I'm going to overcome how you're going to overcome the failures and the mistakes in your life is that you're going to set up boundaries in the areas where you are the most susceptible to temptation. In fact, God tried to do this in Samson's life. If you study Samson, Samson had three boundaries that he was supposed to live his life by. He was called to be a Nazarite. He took what was called a Nazarite vow. And because of the Nazarite vow, there were three things that Samson was not ever supposed to do. He wasn't supposed to cut his hair. He wasn't supposed to drink alcohol. And he wasn't supposed to touch anything that was unclean. Now, some people go, well, why would they put, why would he put those restrictions or those boundaries on Samson? Was it God just trying to be mean, trying to keep him from having stuff that everybody else wants to have, trying to keep him from having fun? No, God wasn't trying to keep him from having fun. You know what? God was trying to do, God was trying to keep him from having pain and having struggles and having frustrations that God never intended for this man called by God to have. So he gave him some boundaries. He said, hey, don't go outside of these boundaries. And if you don't go outside of these boundaries, then you're not going to fall into, into temptation. But what did Samson do over and over? He kept going outside the boundaries every single time. And every time he went outside one of those boundaries, what happened? He made a mistake. He had a failure. He messed up and he blew it. And here's the deal is that the enemy knows the areas of our weakness. So because he knows those areas, here's what we have to do. We got to know what they are too. And then we've got to set up boundaries in those areas to protect us from what the enemy would try to bring against us. Come on. That's just being smart. You set up boundaries, and those boundaries aren't to hurt you or to keep you from having fun. Those boundaries are actually to protect you from pain, from failures, from struggles. I mean, I think about it like this. When you're driving on the road, if you've ever driven, like maybe in California, my my family and I, a few years ago, we went, we drove down the Highway 1, the Pacific Coast Highway, and man, you're driving through all these curves, and it's just amazing. It's beautiful. You look off to the the right side, and I mean, it's just a steep cliff down to the ocean, and it can be like, my family's all enjoying the view, right? And I'm driving like this, because I'm thinking, man, I don't want to fall off this cliff. And there was one thing that I was incredibly thankful for, and that was that there was a guard rail, right? Because if you get a little too close to the edge, what's going to happen? You're going to hit the guardrail instead of hitting the bottom of the ocean, right? And here's the deal. This is what boundaries are. They're not to keep you from having fun. You know what they are? They're to keep you from falling off the cliff. They're to keep you from destroying your life. It's like when you go to Six Flags. Anybody like roller coasters, right? You go to Six Flags, get on the roller coaster. What do they do? They put a safety harness on you. And what is the purpose of the safety harness? Is it to keep you from having fun? No. What is it? To keep you in your seat when you go through the loop, right? So you don't fall out. And here's the deal is that the enemy knows that he can tempt you in the areas that you are the weakest. You know the areas that you are the weakest as well. So you've got to understand, I'm not strong enough to overcome the enemy, so I have to be smart enough. So here's what I have to do. I have to set boundaries in my life in the areas where I am the weakest. Come on, I'm helping you. Some of you need to say, man, I need to set some relational boundaries in my life. It might be that, hey, there are some people that I love them because I'm supposed to love everybody. We should love everyone, but I just can't be around this person because they're a bad influence on me. 
They caused me to have a negative attitude or they caused me to not be as close to God as I would like to be or they tempt me to to do things that I don't want to do. And so I have to set up a boundary. I have to redefine that relationship. Doesn't mean I don't love them. It just means I got to set a boundary there. Some of you, maybe it's in the area of of sexual temptation. You need to set up some sexual boundaries. And you need to say, hey, man, I know that I'm tempted in this area, and so this is what I'm going to do. Man, there are certain movies I just can't watch. There are certain TV shows that I just, I'm just not even going to go there. I know it's popular and everyone's watching, but I'm not going to watch it because it's a temptation for me. Maybe you would say, hey, man, there are, there are things on the Internet. I mean, I can't, I can't just be on the Internet. I have to get an accountability partner or I have to get, a, you know, something like Covenant Eyes or a, compro- a program on my computer so that I don't fall into that temptation and into that sin. I'm going to be smarter than the enemy because I'm not stronger, so I won't be smart. I'm going to set up boundaries. For some of you, maybe it's in the area of finances. Like that's the biggest area where you just struggle. You spend way too much money and then you get all stressed out about that. And so you got to set some boundaries. You got to say, hey, man, there's just some stuff I can't do. I just can't. You know, ladies, you just can't go to Hobby Lobby just to look around. I mean, you know. Right? Guys, we can't just, we can't just, you're not going to just go to Academy or just get on Craigslist. Well, I'm just surfing around because it's a temptation. Come on, right? I'm helping you. Maybe some of you, it's a substance thing. And, and, and for some of you, you would even have to say, man, I know others can do it and handle it, but I can't take a drink of alcohol. I can't even be around people that do that because it's a temptation for me. Oh, pastor, that's just so old school. No, it's not old school. It's smarts. It's wisdom. You've got to understand, you are not stronger. Everybody say, I'm not stronger. I'm not stronger than the power of the enemy. I can be smarter. Number two, here's what you've got to understand. A new realization if you're going to redefine your failures. Not only am I not strong enough to overcome the power of the enemy. Number two, the enemy is not strong enough to overcome the power of God. Come on, right? This is what we find with Samson in Judges chapter 16 and 23. Look what it says. The Philistine rulers, they held a great festival, offering the sacrifices and praises to their god Dagon. And they said, our God has given us victory over our enemy Samson. And when the people saw him, they praised their God saying, our God has delivered our enemy to us. The one who kills us, so, who killed so many of us is now in our power. Half drunk by now, the people demanded, bring out Samson so that he can amuse us. So he was brought from the prison to amuse them and they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. Here it is, Samson's brought out, he's blind. They put him out there to make fun of him, to ridicule him, to cast shame upon him, to say, ha ha, there's the guy who killed so many of us in battle and now he's in our power. And isn't that what the enemy likes to do? Like, man, when we make a mistake, when we fail, when we fall into temptation, man, the enemy loves to rub it in our face. He loves to tell you, man, you have never been good enough and it's too late for you. You're never going to come back. He loves to heap guilt and shame and condemnation upon us. Come on, have you ever been there before? You make a mistake, you know what the enemy says? You are a mistake. You mess up, you know what the enemy says, man? You've been a mess up for your whole life, and it's too late. Your wife's never going to forgive you. Your kids are never going to respect you again. You're never going to get out of that mountain of debt that you're in. You're never going to be able to get to get out of the addiction that you're living in. And over and over and over, he loves to heap the guilt and the shame upon us to tell us that it's too late for us. But you know what I believe Samson would tell us? 
hey, it's not too late for you. Look at my life. Look at my story. And you will see that you may have failed, but failure is never final. That the power of God is greater than the power of the enemy working against you. We see in the end in Samson's story that God used him in incredible ways. It kind of reminds me of another story where it seemed like it was dark. It seemed like it was over. They took another man and they beat him and they hung him upon a cross. And they laughed and they ridiculed and they gambled for his clothes. And he gave up his life and they took him and they placed him in a tomb. And for three days, it seemed like it was too late that the power of the enemy had won. But on that third day, that man rose from the grave. And I'm telling you here today that if Jesus can raise from the grave, that there is nothing that is too far gone that he cannot restore in your life as well. Your marriage is not too far gone. Your finances are not too far gone. Your relationships are not too far gone. Your family is not too far gone because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you. You're not strong enough to overcome the power of the enemy, but the enemy is not strong enough to overcome the power of God. Number three, write this one down. We're going to find out that not only am I not strong enough to overcome the power of the enemy, and the enemy is not strong enough to overcome the power of God, we're going to find out that God is strong enough to overcome the power of my failure. Man, I'm telling you, you might fall. You might fail. You, you probably will. And there will be consequences for your failures. But can I just tell you something today? God is stronger and more powerful than any failure in your life. In fact, this is what we see with Samson. Look what it says in Judges chapter 16 and verse 25. So they brought him from the prison to amuse themselves. And they had, them, and they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. And Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the, by the hand, place my hand against the pillars that hold up the temple and I want to rest against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people and all the Philistine rulers were there. And there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. And then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire entire lifetime. Man, I want you to see something here today that not only is the power of God enough to forgive us of our mistakes, and that would be enough, right? But his power is so great that not only does he forgive us of our failures and our mistakes, he can actually take our failures and mistakes and use them for his purposes. In fact, here we find Samson. I mean, a failure. His eyes are gouged out. He's standing before a room with 3,000 Philistines who are making fun of him. And there he stands, a, a failure. It seemed like it was the end for him, but failure is never final. And God not only forgave him of his failures, but God used him in the midst of his failure for his great purposes. 
In fact, that's the purpose and the promise that God had given to Samson from the very beginning before he was even born. In fact, if you go back and you study it, when it was proclaimed that Samson would be born, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Samson's mom, look what it says in Judges 13 and verse 7, that the angel said to his mom that you will become pregnant and you will give birth to a son. He must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink and nor eat any forbidden food for this son will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from the moment of his birth until what? Until the day of his death. Man, I read that. I've never, I'd never noticed it before. But you know what the promise was? The promise was of God that no matter how Samson might have messed it up, the promise was that God was going to use Samson from the moment of his birth to what? To the end of his life. See, most people would have looked at Samson and they would have seen a man who was just a shell of his former self, a man filled with weakness. They would have looked at him and saw a man who had failed and they would have pointed and said, there is a failure. It's over for him. But God already had a promise. God had a promise that he would use him from the moment of his birth all the way to the moment of his death. That even if he blew it, even though he left God, God had never left him. And some of you are here today and you're saying, man, I've messed it up too much. God can never use me. God can never even forgive me, let alone use me because of all that I have done. But I'm telling you, the same promise that the angel gave to Samson's mom is the same promise that God has over every one of your lives. That he created you, that you are his workmanship created in him to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. And his calling upon your life is not dependent upon your failures and your mess ups and the times when you blow it that he has said I want to use you from the moment that you are born all the way to the end of your life if you are still breathing God can still use you come on even to the moment of my death but God I've messed up it's too far gone for me but you know what the scripture has to say about it the scripture tells us in Romans 11 and verse 29 that the gifts and the callings of God are what without repentance. I love the way it says it in the New Living Translation. It says they can never be withdrawn. But God, I, Pastor, I've, I've messed it up. I've messed up too bad. No, no, the gifts and the callings of God cannot be withdrawn. That even though you've messed up, the power of God is greater than the power of your failure. So you say, well, Pastor, what do I do? Like, man, I've, I've made some mistakes I've really messed it up royally. Maybe it's a whole bunch of mistakes that has landed me into a place that, man, I never intended to be. Maybe it's one big giant mistake that just really messed me up. And here I find myself in a place that I never intended to be. How do I get back to that place where God can use me? Do what Samson did. He did two things. In fact, let's take a look at what the scripture has to say about it. In Judges chapter 16 and verse 28, then Samson did what? He prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord. Remember me again. Oh, God, please strengthen me just one more time. What was the first thing that Samson did? He prayed. When he find himself, found himself in that position of failure, when his mistakes had, had find it, found him in the grind, what was the first thing that he did? He looked to heaven and he prayed. And what did he pray? He prayed a couple of things. He prayed, remember me. That's important. That word remember, if you study it in the Hebrew, it actually means to confess. Basically, what he did was he repented. He, he turned back to God. See, the truth is when we make mistakes, there's really two responses. You can either have remorse or you can have repentance. 
most of us, when we make a mistake, the, the response is remorse. What does that mean? It means I feel bad about it. You know, I feel sorry. Most of the time, it's I feel sorry that I got caught, right? And, and yet, I don't do anything really to change. It's just I feel bad about what I did. But repentance, it goes beyond remorse. Yes, I feel bad about what I did, but I'm not going to just feel bad about it. I'm actually going to do something about it. I'm going to change the way that I'm living. That's what that word repent means. And here's the deal, guys. When you mess up, you can't unsin, okay? You can't undo what you did. You can't unsleep with that girl. You can't unsee what you saw. You can't unsay what you say. You can't unspend what you spend. A lot of us were like, man, if I could go back, I wouldn't do it the same. And you go, you can't go back and redo it, but you can start right now and repent and turn around and change the outcome all by just turning to God. You pray, God, remember me. God, remember the calling that you had upon my life. Remember the purpose that you had for me. You turn towards God and you repent. And then what did he, he pray? He prayed, God, remember me. Then what, he, what he, prayed, he prayed, God, strengthen me again. It was all the way to the very end of his life before, before Samson finally realized this incredibly important principle that I'm not strong enough, that the strength that I even had didn't come from me. It came from the Spirit of God in me. And so finally, at the end of his life, he finally recognized, I'm not strong enough to do anything here. So now I'm asking God, God, please strengthen me again. And here's my challenge to you. Don't wait to the end of your life till you come to the moment where you recognize that I'm not strong enough, but I need his strength and power working in me. What do you do when you come to that place of failure? You pray. Then what do you do? The second thing that Samson did, you, you push. Everybody say, everybody say push. You push. You push ahead. Look what it says in our passage. It says in Judges 16 and verse 29, Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple and pushing against them with, everybody say those last words, with both of his hands. This is significant. You'd say, why is that significant? Here's why. Because in the Bible, The right hand signifies strength. Anytime you hear in the Bible where it talks about the right hand, talk about the right hand of God or the right hand or somebody gave the right hand blessing, it signified strength. The left hand, anytime you hear in the Bible, it talks about the left hand, it signifies weakness. So it's important here that Samson puts both his right hand and his left hand on the pillar and he pushes with both of his hands. Why is that significant? Because finally Samson came to the place where he realized that I need both God's strength and my weakness working together to accomplish the purpose that God has for me. That's what, le- that's what being legendary is all about. It's coming to a place where I recognize my weakness and I surrender to God's strength in my life. And man, I'm telling you, when you do that, God can use you in ways like you'd never imagined. In fact, this is what Paul was talking about in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23. Look what he says. He says, to this end, I labor with all all what? With all his energy, which is so powerfully working in me. We see that same image once again. I labor with my weakness and with his energy. It's the right hand of the, of the strength of God, the left hand of the weakness of myself. When I come together, I do what I can, and then I let God do what he can. And it's actually in my weakness. Paul would later on go on to say, he would say, it's when I'm the weakest that I am the strongest.
strongest because he recognized, he recognized that, hey, my strength is not great enough to overcome the power of the enemy. He recognized that the enemy's strength is not great enough to overcome the power of God, but he also recognized that God's strength is great enough to overcome the weaknesses and the failures in my own life. And if I will push with all of God's strength and with all of my weaknesses, then God will use me. In fact, in that moment in Samson's life, he killed more people in that one moment in his death than in all of his life added up together. God used him in his weakness even more than he ever used him in his strength. Come on. Many of us here today, you say, man, it's too late for me. I've messed up. And I'm too far gone. And there's no way God could ever use me again. And Samson would look at you and he would say, look at my story. And out of my story, I want you to know failure is never final. You may have failed, but you're not a failure. You may have made mistakes, but you are not a mistake that if you will trust God, if you will recognize I'm not strong enough, if you will recognize the enemy is not strong enough, if you will recognize that failure is not strong enough because God is strong enough.